0: you
1: If you would, open your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15. Looking at verses 11 through 31, with our key verse being verse 17. Now, as you're turning over there, you know, if you think about it, no matter who we are, whether we are lost or whether we are saved, we can be affected by sin. Now, the lost, when you look at the lost by nature, they are sinful because they are under the bondage of sin, as Augustine would, would say. They're under the bondage of sin. Their sin nature just takes hold and is manifest, and they continue in sin. Now, those that have received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they've been born again. They have a new nature in Jesus Christ. So the sin nature should be buried. It should be dead and buried. They have a new nature within them that is created after Jesus Christ. Yet, even with the new nature, even though we are born again, born from above, as as Paul writes in, in 2 Timothy, we can still fall to sin. Because that sin nature is still there. It's buried, but it's still within us. And it can come out. When we're tempted, we can fall to the temptation and fall to sin. Now, let's think about something. What happens if we overcome the temptation? through the power of the Holy Spirit, we've overcome the temptation. We're feeling good that we've overcome the temptation. And then something happens. We can still sin. Because we can be lifted in pride that we've overcome the temptation. We can become self-righteous. And when we let pride and self-righteousness take hold, we sin. Sin can affect us all. And when we look in Luke 15, verses 11 through 31, the, the parable of the prodigal son, we see both. We see one who was lost, repenting of their sin and turning to, to God But we also see one that becomes self-righteous when we look at these two brothers. And today, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the two brothers and how sin affected them. But we're also going to take a look at the father as well. So again, open your Bibles to Luke 15, and we'll be looking at verses 11 through 31. It's written, He said, Moreover, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of the goods that falleth to me. So he divided unto them his substance. So not many days after, when the younger son had gathered all together, he took his journey into a far country, and there he wasted his goods with riotous living. Now when he had spent all, there arose a great dearth throughout that land, and he began to be in necessity. Then he went and clave to a citizen of that country, and he sent him to his farm to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine ate, but no man gave them him. Then he came to himself and said, How many hired servants at my father's have bread enough, and I die for hunger? I will rise and go to my father and say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son, make me as one of thine hired servants. So he arose and came to his father, and when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Then the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fat calf and kill him and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again and he was lost but he is found and they began to be merry. Now the elder brother was in the field and when he came and drew near to the house he heard melody and dancing and called one of his servants and asked what those things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fat calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. Then he was angry, and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and entreated him. But he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years have I done thee service, neither break I at any time thy commandment. And yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make make merry with my friends. But when this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy goods with harlots, thou hast for his sake killed the fat calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again, and he was lost, but is found. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our most gracious and loving Father, Lord, is... We come before you just ask your blessings upon the reading of your word. And Lord, I just pray that you would be with us today, Lord, as we worship together. Just give us an insight and understanding into your word and just help us, Lord, to learn from it. And apply what we learn into our daily walk. And again, Lord, I just thank you and praise you for all the many blessings that you've given us, the blessings of life and liberty, just the blessing that we could come today and, and worship and fellowship together. And Lord, I just pray again that you would be with those that are sick those cannot make it today, those that may be traveling, those that have lost loved ones, you know each name. Lord, that was mentioned, and you know each need in, in every life, and we just lift them up to you, Lord, and just ask your blessings upon them. And again, Lord, I just pray that you would be with me and give me the words to say. And Lord, if there is anyone here that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, I just pray that you would speak to their hearts today. And Lord, just bind down Satan and let him have no part of this service. We just ask this in your Son's precious and holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Now, in this passage, we have a very familiar, very familiar story of the prodigal son. Now, if we were to look at the previous verses, what we see is that Jesus Christ is teaching the people concerning. What happens when someone is converted? And one of the things that he says is when the, when the lost are converted, there is rejoicing in heaven. We see this several times in the preceding verses to this. Now, what we also see in the story of the prodigal son is the same thing. He talks about the son, the younger son, Falling into sin, repenting of sin, and then coming back home. And then what happens when he gets back to his house? There is rejoicing that someone who was lost has now been found. Someone who was dead is now alive. So we see that theme in these verses. But we also see something else. Because we can see many different teachings in this. One, the younger son could be attributed to being the Gentiles and the the older being the Jews. And the Gentiles coming to to Christ and receiving the gospel and the Jews maintaining their sense of self-righteousness because of that. And we saw that taking place in the book of Acts. then we can look at it just in general as someone being raised the correct way, falling into sin, and then coming home, and then someone who had maintained and had not fallen into sin becoming self-righteous. So you can see several different teachings in this parable. Parable. And what I want to do is I want to look at both sons and how sin affects them. Because sin affects both of them. So when we look at both of the sons, what we see is the younger and the older both were raised by the same man. Both had teaching into the law. Both had a good upbringing. But then something happens and they diverge. They go separate. And we see this when the younger son goes to his father and he wants his inheritance. Now think about something. When does someone usually get their inheritance? After the parent dies. But he wanted it right then. His father was still alive. So he goes to his father and he says that he wants the the inheritance that would fall to him. He wants that money right then. Now, the father obliges. But I want you to look at something. Look at what it says in verse 12. So he divided unto them. Unto them. He gave the younger and the older their inheritance. He gave the younger and the older the inheritance. He divided both and gave both their portion. And the older who got his inheritance at the same time stayed with the father. the younger, when he gets his inheritance, he leaves. He leaves. Now, here's where we see the difference in them. What happens when the younger son leaves? The older son is still with the father and is still following the commandments of the father. The younger son, he leaves... And when he is away from the Father, what does he do? It says that he wastes all that he was given in riotous living. He sins. He sins. But I want you to look at at one thing that it says. He wasted. Because that's what sin is. That's what sin makes us do. We waste. We waste everything God has given us by sinning. And this is exactly what this young son does. Everything the father had given him, his talents, the blessings that he had, he wasted by sin. How many people in the world today have All these blessings God has given them, all this talent God has given them, and they waste it. They waste it by sin and they waste it by not following God's commands. It happens everywhere. And that's exactly what this young man was doing. God had given him all these talents. All these blessings and he wastes. Because that's what we do when we sin. A life of sin away from God. A life of sin away from God. Then what happens? After all the way, after all the sin and riotous living, after all the depravity, it says a dearth took place, a famine. A famine takes place. You can look at it as the famine of sin. Because that's what sin does to us. It causes us to have nothing in life. He had wasted all through sin and he had nothing. And then he began began to be in want. That's what famine does. It makes us be in want. That's what sin does. It makes us be in want. When we look at the famine that takes place, it's a good analogy of what wickedness does to us. He had nothing because of the sin in his life. And if you think that you can have all these things by sinning or through sin, you are wrong. You see, Satan will promise you the world. He will promise you all these different things. All you have to do is serve him. He did that with Eve. What did he promise Eve? If you do this, you'll be like God. And what happens? In the end, they had nothing but sin. You see, Satan can promise all that he wants, but he owns nothing. He has nothing. He has nothing to give but destruction and death. As Christ says, he was a liar from the beginning. When he lies, he's speaking what he knows. And when he promises things, all he does is lie. Satan can give nothing because he owns nothing. He owns nothing. And what did this young man get by sin? By falling to temptation? by doing what Satan wanted him to do, he got nothing. He got nothing. The young man had nothing but his sin. His wants. He had nothing but his wasted life. He had went to this far country to get away from his father... And he has nothing. Nothing but famine. Nothing but hunger. Nothing but his wants. Nothing but sin. And then he hits bottom. We think he's probably pretty much at bottom right then. But then he hits bottom. Because what happens? He's in want. He's hungry. He has nothing. So he goes to someone in that foreign land and it says he cleaves to them and the man sends him to his farm to feed pigs. And you might think, well, Brother Jeff, that's not too bad. It is for someone who's Jewish. According to the law, they can't even touch a pig. They can't eat them. They can't be around them. And here we see this young man feeding pigs. And just imagine, he's covered in the muck, he's covered in the mud. Covered in the filth of sin. looking at the food that he's feeding the pigs and he's saying, I want to eat the food I'm giving to these pigs. And in the end, he probably even started to look like a pig and smell like a pig covered in all that filth. It's a good description of what sin does to us because that's exactly what it did to this boy. He was as low as you could go in his life, having wasted all that God had blessed him with, that the Father had given him. And he wasted it through sin, and then he ends up feeding the one animal that he's not even allowed to touch. To eat. And he's there feeding them. covered in the muck, and wanting to eat the pig slop. That's what sin did to him. And that's exactly what sin does to us. All sin did for him is bringing down. But if you think about it, when has sin ever brought us good? Think in your life. When has sin ever brought you good? Never. And then what happens? Look at verse 17. Our key verse. Just the first part of that verse. Then he came to himself. And if you look at what he says in verses 17 and 18, How many hired servants at my father's house have bread enough, and I die for hunger. I will rise and go to my father and say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. And then in verse 19, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. When you look at all those things that he says, That's a good description of repentance. It's a good description of repentance. What the gospel does for us when we hear the gospel. He comes to his senses. He sees the situation that he's in and he comes to his senses. And then look at what it says. In verse 20, he arose and he goes home. He goes home. Now I want you to think about something. You might be wondering, well, how does this allude to repentance? Because if you think about it, what repentance means is he turns from from the sin and turns to God. He turns from the pigsty, he turns from the foreign country, and he returns home. He turns home. He repents. And he goes home. And now we see the love of God the Father. Because when he returns home, it says that the Father sees him afar off. The Father had always been looking for him. Wanting him to return home. And the Father, when he sees him afar off, he runs to him because he knows who he is. He falls on his neck and he kisses him. And the son, he sits here and he says, you know, this speech that, you know, he had, he had written this good speech, you know, make me one of your servants. But he never even gets that part out. What we see him say is, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. he humbles himself. And before he can even say, make me one of your servants, the father, Interrupts, And he calls to his servants and he says, bring the best robe, the ring, and shoes. The father receives him back as his son. That's signified by the ring on the finger, the best robe and the shoes on his feet. But you know what else it signifies? The cleansing of the blood of Christ. Because once he has repented of his sin and is received back by the Father, he's given new clothing to wear. He's clothed in righteousness. He has a new covering, ridding him of the filth that he had been in. And then they rejoice that the son has come home. But what about the other son? The one that had stayed with the father? He hears... The party. And he asks about it. And they tell him that his brother has returned. And he gets angry. Should we ever be angry when someone turns to Jesus Christ? No. But he gets angry when he hears what has happened. And instead of going in there with joy in his heart and joining the reception for the brother, he stays outside. And the father has to come out there and ask him to come in. But then I want you to notice something because a lot of Christians act this way. Look at what he starts doing. When the father asks him to come inside, he answers the father. And he says, Lo, these many years I have done thee service, neither break I at any time thy commandment. Basically he's saying, I've never sinned. I've never sinned. What's he doing right there? He's sinning. Self-righteousness. I've never sinned. I've never broke your commandment. And yet thou never gavest me a kid that I make my, might make merry with my friends. But you've done it for my brother. Well, he didn't even call him his brother. He says, you've done it for your son. What's he doing right there? Exodus twenty seventeen. Thou shalt not covet. He's coveting, violating the law. He's sinning. And what does the law tell us? If you violate one, you violated them all. So right here, we see that he's lifted in pride, sinning. He's self-righteous, sinning. And he's violated the law. He's violated the Tenth Commandment, which means he's violated them all. Covetous, self righteousness, pride. All because he was angry about his brother. And then what does he do? He write, he's already written the brother off, he reminds the father of what the brother has done. I've never sinned against you, but he has just wasted everything that you've given him by sinning. This, your son, he won't even acknowledge his kinship with his brother. The older brother sins. Now when we look at both brothers, we see that they have both sinned. They're both sinners. But there's a difference. The younger brother realizes his sin and he repents. The older brother never realizes it, he never realizes it. And that's how Christians can become. We get so lifted up that we can't see our own sin. We get so lifted up, whether it's by hatred, whether it's by greed, whether it's by by coveting something someone else has, whatever it is, we get so lifted up we can't even realize our own sin. But we're all guilty. Guilty. Because at one point in our life, we have been the younger brother, and we've been the older brother. And it doesn't matter who you are, we're all guilty of being one or the other. How many times have we been that way? How many times have we been like the older brother? Because anytime we get angry when we see someone come to Christ, anytime we question, well, I don't believe that person's saved, that's not for us to do. Because that's between them and God. Now, if we see them sinning, we can point out the sin and try to lead them back onto the correct path. But their salvation is between them and God. We're not to get angry at anything like that. We're not to question that. Anytime we're self-righteous and reminding ourselves of how good we are and how bad someone else is, that's sin. And we've all done it. We're to remain humble. We're to rejoice when someone receives Christ. And we're to welcome them into the family and not reject. Because, as I've said, we can be both brothers in this parable. We're the younger brother before we receive Christ when we're away from God, sinning and living in the filth of sin, repenting of our sin and turning to God. But then we can be the older brother, having been saved, being lifted in self-righteousness and pride, and becoming unforgiving. And then there's times that we can be self-righteous And lifted in pride when we overcome temptation. And we forget that it's God who has helped us overcome it. What we see overall in this parable is we must recognize the danger of sin. Because there's a danger there. The lure of sin because it tries to lure us away from God. We must be humble. We must recognize what we have in God. We must be loving, forgiving, welcoming, and never be lifted in pride, covetedness, or self-righteousness. In the end, we're to be humble and follow the commands of God throughout our daily walk. Let's stand for prayer. Our most gracious and loving Father, Lord, as we come before you, I just thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, that we can just learn from it. And Lord, I just pray that you would be with us during this time of invitation. Again, Lord, if there's anyone that needs to make any decision, I pray that you would speak to their hearts. Just continue to be with us and overshadow us with your love and watch care. We just ask this in your son's precious and holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen.